We're in this series, week three now, of what in the world am I doing? What a great question. You ever ask yourself that question? Let's turn to one another and just look at somebody and say, what in the world are you doing? During this series, we're talking about our, uh, discovering our core cause, our purpose, and why am I here? What's my existence all about? And I've had a lot of fun every week as we've introduced you to some people who are uh, living out their cause, and I want you to meet another person, so give it up for Tiffany Pinnell. Tiffany, come on up. She's coming up. I want to let you know one of the things that we have provided for this that makes this series great. How many of you have done, even attempted to do the cause assessment? Raise your hand. Okay, good. A good percentage of you. That's fantastic because this series really doesn't work unless you go online and, and do the assessment. If you just sit in the teaching, I mean, it's going to be great. It's going to sound good. It's going to make you feel good. But ultimately, I'm telling you, this series is going to be a major game changer for so many of you. You're going to discover this is why I do what I do, or you're going to discover I shouldn't be doing this. Why am I doing this? God has wired me to do this. And I really believe this is a series that's going to live outlive these five weeks that we're doing it. And so go online on your chairs. I think they have the card this morning that says, what in the world am I doing? And there's the link there so you can go take the cause assessment. We think one of the best ways to do the cause assessment is with friends or family. Uh, a lot of people are doing it right now in their core group. So if you're not in a core group, grab a Next Step card. We can get you in a group where you can kind of flesh this out with them. Tiffany, you lead one of the groups. Yes. Uh, and you've worked through, I guess, a, the C and A. Is that right? Yes. And uh, I thought it was going to be easy. I was like, oh, yeah, I can do this. And uh, going through the C, the finding your holy discontent, I was like, yeah, I, okay, I know what it is. I know what it is. And then I started taking it, and it kind of changed on me. So, what I said came true, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because this like, is what I'm going to tell you. If you go online, you do the assessment, you think, I got it in five minutes. I'm going to know what my core cause is. No. You might not even know in five weeks or five It might take five years or longer to kind of flesh that out. But as you did that assessment, um, the first one on compassion what mess in the world messes with me, did you begin to find something or an answer to that question? Um, I know what messes me up, and um, I don't know what that means yet. I know that God is going to be doing something great, but I don't know what his plan is with that yet. So um, it's kind of a big just generalization that uh -huh. I'm still trying to figure out what it means. Which is a great place to start. That's one thing I want to encourage you. When you take the assessment, you're going to start with probably some generalities. And you'll be like, what is this and what do I do with this? You're just getting out of the starting blocks. Now, would you, could you share with us kind of what, where you start, like what's your starting point? Where, is that your group laughing that's, at you? That's my group laughing oh, at Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like there's only a few people laughing and I don't know why they're laughing. So my thing that messes me Should, up. Can you mention this in church? Yes. Okay, I, I, all right, okay. <laughs> it's, it's people that don't take responsibility for their own actions, for their own decisions in their life, and they want to blame issues in their life on yeah. other people and don't, right. don't ever see how the choices that they make in their lives really can impact their life. Mm -hmm. so. Now, one of the things we're talking about is how important it is to flesh this out with yeah. friends and 
and your group has been going through this. How, how has your group processed it? What, what, what are they finding out? You know, they all have great, um, great holy discontents that whenever we started talking about it, I was like, man, maybe that should be my holy, but that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. But, and really, I'm still convicted in, in mine, but no, it's, it's still, we're all kind of learning what that's going to look like for us and what we can do for that. But it, it's really a great thing being able to talk it out with my group and being able for all of us to kind of work together and to see what, that, what God has in store for us. So. so we encourage you to get in a group. Give Tiffany a hand. <laughs> encourage you to get in a core group, flesh this out with some friends. And if you're not in a group, we can get you in one. Just uh, grab a Next Step card, fill that out, and, and we'll get you hooked up with some people. Well, let's get into the Word of God here this morning. We're going to be in Mark's Gospel. This is in the New Testament, Mark chapter 3. Uh, if you're new to church and new to the Bible, Mark is in the New Testament. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we give them away for free. So after the service, come get one. We have them right across the front of the auditorium. Or if you have a mobile device and you don't have a Bible on that mobile device, go to corechurch.com and you can download a Bible right there. So this is in Mark. And I read out of the New Living Translation. So if you're going to uh, follow along. Now, Mark, Mark is not one of the 12 disciples that we know but he, is, he comes along later, and he becomes a follower of Jesus after his death and resurrection, and he becomes a, a guy who is a companion with Peter and, and Paul and, and some others. And so he writes down the account of the apostles and the account of Jesus. So what we're reading here in the book of Mark is this guy named John Mark, and he got this account from Peter, and this is what Jesus' life was like, and so he wrote this down. So would you stand as we... Read the Word of God this morning, Mark chapter 3, and we're going to read uh, beginning in verse 13. Afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain, and he called out the ones he wanted to go with him, and they came to him. And then he appointed 12 of them, and he called them his apostles. And they were to accompany him, and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. And these are the 12 that he chose, Simon, whom he named Peter, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, but Jesus nicknamed them sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, some great baby names, ladies, if you're looking for some baby names, Alphaeus is not taken. <laughs> if you're Alphaeus, I'm really, really sorry. Not that you're named Alphaeus, I'm sorry that I made that joke. Um, and this will be your last Sunday here, sorry. Um, man. Uh, Simon the Zealot. Uh, and Judas Iscariot, nobody's getting that name anymore, uh, who later betrayed him. Let, let's pray. God, thank you so much for the gift of your word and the time we have to be in your house. It's so good, Father. Just love being in your house and, and just pray in these moments that we have that uh, speak to us. Uh, church, you might know the people around you, you might not, but let's just start praying for one another. Uh, let's just pray that we would be open to what God wants to say. He's wanting to speak to every single one of us today, and he's wanting to give us fresh insight into his word. And then pray for yourself that all distractions would be set aside. There's so many distractions and that we could just focus in for a moment. And then pray for me as your pastor uh, that I'm going to be faithful and faithful to what God once said uh, through his word today. In Jesus' name, give me a big amen. amen. You may be seated. Well, throughout this series, I've been um, talking about this idea that as Christ followers, um, our mission and our purpose is to take the hope of Jesus into a hurting, 
and suffering world. That's what we're supposed to do, enter into the suffering with those around us. And we've been talking about this idea that as Christ followers, we all have that purpose. We all have that call to take, take the hope of Jesus into the world. But we all have a unique part, a unique role that we're supposed to be playing in that. And that's what this series is about. So when we talk about your core cause, what we're talking about is your, your purpose in life. Or another phrase that you may have heard if you've been in church, the will of God. And so as you think about what, it, what is my part, what is my role... And I can tell you, I have been uh, working on my core cause for probably over a decade now, and it has been so fulfilling to me to begin to step and move in the direction that God has called me to do, and then to stop doing those things that he's not called me to do. It is so fulfilling when you start to get into your sweet spot. And so during this series, we're going to be breaking down the word cause, C-A-U-S-E. And we talked about C just a moment ago. We talked about that with Tiffany. C stands for compassion. I encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast on that. We asked this question, what mess in the world messes with me? What is it that irritates you, frustrates you? What injustice is there in the world that nobody else is getting amped up about but you do? That's the one that God's called you to. It's called your holy discontent. Then last week, we talked about abilities, we talked about this idea that I, I can be great at something because God has put something great in me. And it was so funny last week as we all said that together, and it was just so awkward for us to speak greatness over ourselves, was it not? It was just awkward. But it is so true. Greatness is in you. Go back and listen to the podcast on that. And so today, we're on the letter U, and I, I, the letter U stands for U. B, U, the, uh, the, the letters U, the letter B, and the letter U. I'd like for you to uh, write this down, okay, because here's where we're going to go for the next few minutes. U, the letter U, the letter B, and the letter U, okay? You be you, and I'll be me. All of us have been given a unique personality by God, and, and your personality uh, has been given to you because it plays an integral part in your core cause, you probably never thought about that, that your personality actually plays a part. And it's so critical that you be you and I be me. So let's say that together. You be you and I'll be me. You ready? You be you and I'll be me. One more time. You be you and I'll be me. Turn to somebody by, around you and say, you be you and I'll be me. Listen, this is so important because our personality influences every area of our lives, and you don't even realize it. it. It influences the decisions you make. It influences the energy you have. It in influences your problem solving. It influences how you handle conflict in your life. Uh, it influences so many different ways, how we feel, how we act, how we express our la- ourselves, how we laugh, how we don't laugh, how we're serious, how we're not serious. Your personality affects every area of your life. So here's what we're going to do here just for a moment is I want to do a quick survey and we're going to find out what kind of personalities we have in this room, okay? So uh, here we go, okay? The first thing we're going to do is this. We're going to do a second greeting time. Now, what does that mean? Just a few moments ago in church, we just had we say, hey, turn and greet those around you. That's called the greeting time, okay? So we're going to do a second greeting time. I'm going to give you, this is going to be quick, so I'm going to give you like 20, 30 seconds to do this, okay? You ready? Go. Greet those around you. Take a moment to do that, Okay.
All right. All right. How many of you, when we did that greeting time, you'd raise your hand and you'd say, I looked for as many people as I possibly could to greet. Raise your hand. I mean, I looked and I was, you were amped up. You're like, man, second greeting time. This is like second dessert. Woohoo! Yeah, baby. Some of you got like four rows away. You know, you're not even close to your seat anymore. How many of you, when I announced the second greeting time, you weren't looking for anybody to greet, you were looking for the exit? <laughs> like every week that we do this, you're like, do we have to do this? I've got to find a church where they don't do this. You just hate it. Your palms are sweating. You're like, second greeting time. Oh, my goodness. I'd rather the second coming than this, you know, <laughs> the second greeting time. You're like, hi. So nervous. <laughs> Personality. It's personality. Let's talk about opinions, giving, giving your opinion. How many of you would say you keep your opinion to yourself? You're very guarded and you keep your opinion to yourself. Okay, some of you aren't even raising your hand because you're not going to give your opinion, right? <laughs> so I'm not giving my opinion on that one. How many of you, oh man, how many of you give your opinion early, often, and as loud and bold as you possibly can? Yeah, right? The people that don't like giving their opinion, they don't like you. I'm just going to tell you, they don't like you. I'm going to tell you what they're thinking. I don't like you. What's so funny is those of you that like giving your opinion, you're like, this is the best thing we've ever done in church. I hope we do like five more of these things. God, I got more opinions to give. Those of you that don't like giving your opinion, right? you're like, can he get on with the word? Is he going to give some scripture? Why do we have to give our opinion? What does our opinion matter? My opinion doesn't matter. I mean, that's just how, that's our personality. How about when it comes to playing a game, okay? You think about playing a game. How, how many of you, how many of you don't care who wins? You're just playing for fun. You're just playing for fun. All right. How many of you, how many of you are win at all costs, okay? That's right. I'm taking you out, okay? I mean, I, I'm, I don't care if you are a family member. Boom, you're going down. That's, that's my entire family. I was looking on social media, and I saw somebody, and they had a picture of their family sitting around playing a board game, and they're like, hey, board game night. Hey, we're having so much fun. And I'm like, oh, my Lord, we would need therapy after that. This would be, I would lose the church after a board game in my house. I am not kidding. We will play board games. We yell at each other and we end up hating each other and somebody's tossing the board. It's, it's awful. It's sinful. It's wrong. It's why we don't play board games in our house. We don't own a single one at all. Okay, um, uh, one more, one more. How, how many of you have a plan and you stick to that plan? You got a plan, you stick to that plan. All right, good, good. How many of you uh, would say uh, you've, You've never had a plan. You, you wing it, and you love to blow up people's plans. You're just, yeah, you're really good at blowing up the plans, yeah. That's my wife. I'm, I'm a, I got a plan. I'm sticking to it. She's just always jacking it up. <laughs> it's not what we said we were going to do, baby. I know. Isn't it fun? No, it's not fun. <laughs> oh, man. It, listen, we're, 
we are, we are all different, okay? And that's good. And it's necessary, okay? Let's say this together. That's good. And that's necessary. Yeah. Now turn to somebody and say, you be you and I'll be me. Listen, we see the role. <laughs> I just hear it in here. I don't want you to be you. I don't like the way. <laughs> I can sense it in this room. You're like, I don't like you. I don't like you when you are that. I don't like you either. But we're in the house of God, so we got to get along for at least 20 minutes. We, we see the role that personalities um, play in our cause through the life of Jesus and his disciples. It's, it's something you probably never looked at in Scripture before, but we're going to have some fun today because we're going to open up Scripture and look at it from a completely different angle and from the angle of personality. So let's go back to Mark chapter 3 and verse 14. Verse 14, and it says this, Then he, this is being Jesus, Jesus appointed 12 of them, and he called them his apostles, which we know as the 12 disciples. And they were to accompany him, and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. So here's the picture here. Jesus has got a mission. His mission is the salvation of the world. He's going to go to the cross and be resurrected. And he chooses 12 individuals that are, that are very unique, and they have a unique role to play. Their personality is is vital to the cause. And we're going we're gonna to be looking at their personalities here in just a few minutes. But here's the thing. Your, your personality, just like the disciples, is unique, and it, and it plays a vital part in fulfilling God's purposes in this world. You're, you're created the way that you are, and you are you because you are needed in your uniqueness in a unique cause. And we're going we're to look at this for a moment. Like, like, Johnny Depp is one of the best character actors of our generation. Hands down. He, I love him. I love characters. And I love studying Johnny Depp because he's just fascinating. He's so, so good at it. I mean, here's one of the very first ones that was ever on the scene. Do you remember this? Who's that? <laughs> Edward Scissorhands. Okay. How about this one? Do you remember this one? Willie Wonka. Willie Wonka. Okay, one more. Everybody knows this one here. <laughs> Captain Jack. Yeah, Jack Sparrow. How about this one? Do you know this one? That is Johnny Depp. <laughs> You're like, which one is that? Was that the one where he was a psychotic killer that was the freak? I mean, you see, when you look at Johnny Depp, you're like, is that him? He's played so many different characters over the years that it's hard to tell who Johnny Depp is really. Like, which one is Johnny Depp? Because he's been so many different characters. This same thing happens to you and I. So many times we can become a, a character actor, and I, I think we're pretty good at it. I think we're pretty good character actors. We, we become what we think others want us to be, and so we adapt our personality, sometimes for the good, but many times for the bad. We become somebody we're not. For example, on social media, huh? how about the mama pics? Mamas, you put in your pictures on there, and you got to get the right picture, do you not? Like, you're, you, you'll, put it, you'll put yourself in such a position that, you know, you'll show yourself like, I'm reading with my child, look at me and my kid, or we're getting ice cream and we're doing this, right? And you do this thing, and you don't really do that very often, but you put the picture out there to make it look like that's what you always do with your kid. Why? Because you have this perception that that's what makes a great mom, 
Dads, we do this. We, we will put our kids in, in, in a sport, football in Oklahoma. We'll put them in, in football because we're like, well, I'm going to be... I'm going to be the football coach, and I'm going to go to the football game, and, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to act this way and be this way because that's what makes a great dad. And, and so we think based on what other dads are doing or what other moms are doing, then that's how I have to be a mom, and that's how I have to be a dad, and we become a character of ourselves, somebody that God never intended us to be. We do it in the workplace. Some of you are going to go to work tomorrow, and you're going to sit at a desk in a cubicle behind a computer all day long doing spreadsheets, and you hate every second of it. This is not how God wired you. That's not what you're supposed to be doing. But for job security purposes, you will go, and you will take that seat, and you will sit in the cubicle, even though probably your personality would be best displayed if you were out in the sales force, if you're out on the floor and you're interacting with people, but, but you're stuck in this cubicle, and you're, you're miserable. Or the opposite is true, that they've got you out, and they've got you interacting with people, and you don't like it, but for job security, you'll act like, listen, we, we go into job interviews all the time. You say, tell us, are you, uh, you consider yourself an organized person? What, is, what do we say every single time? Yes. yes. No, we say, no, no, people person. Wait, no, we don't. Listen, if you say, if, you, if somebody asks you in a job interview, and you need a job, and they ask you, are you organized? What's your answer? Yes. yes. Whether you are or whether you are not. Are you mechanically inclined? The answer is yes. <laughs> you know, are you good with Excel spreadsheets? The answer is yes. yes. I mean, you just say yes because you need that job, and you become a character actor. You're not being your true self. We even do this in our families. Even within the family unit, we can become somebody, uh, whether you're the child or you're the mom or you're the dad or, or you don't have kids at all, you become what that other person desires for you to be. Like Laura, every year she would throw me a surprise birthday party. I hate surprises. hate them. But every year, because she's the sweetest thing in the world and I love her to death, every year she'd throw me a party. What do you think I was like? Oh, it's awesome. Oh, this is neat. Glad, glad you're here. Wow, this is great. Yay. Woo-hoo. We've been married over 30 years just this year because this year is a big milestone for me. I'm turning 25. Uh, and, and, and so she was like, oh, I'm thinking about doing a no. And she's like, oh, no surprise, no surprise party. So she's already on. I mean, but this is how it is. We can become a character of, of who we are. I'd like for you to, to write this down. When I'm not true to myself, I lose my true self. When I'm not true to myself, I lose my true self. In other words, when, when you're not true to yourself, what happens is, and see if this doesn't play out sometimes for you, that you're, you're ineffective or you're, you're, you're frustrated or you feel incomplete and you're, you're not quite reaching your full potential. So, This is why it's so important that we embrace how God wired us, the personality that he gave to you. This is why it's so important that you be you and I'll be me. Let's say that together. You be you and I'll be me. This is what Jesus did. He gathered these 12 unique personalities together to accomplish his his mission. Now, look at this. This, What's interesting here, when you look at Jesus, he, he could have gone it alone, couldn't he? He's God. He didn't need anybody, 
But he chose not to do it that way. He appointed these 12, and it says in Scripture, he appointed them to accompany him, and then they set uh, out together, and he sent them out to do various tasks. You, You can't accomplish what God's put in your heart alone. You need people to do that. This is what Jesus is illustrating for us here. No matter what God's put in your heart to do, no matter what it is you try to accomplish in your life, just like the disciples, you need people. But with people come various personalities. And with various personalities come personality conflict. And we see this even with the disciples. If you read the Gospels, we we have this um, kind of cookie-cutter thought of a Candyland version of the disciples, like they all got along all the time. You ain't read the Gospels if you think they got along all the time. These guys at times were at each other's throat. They weren't getting along. They were jockeying for position. One was trying to do this, and this other guy was doing this, and they would get frustrated with each other. It's like the, they were like the Kardashians of the Bible, okay? And, and, and so at some point here, Jesus, he could have simply just said, I'll forget it. I'll just do it myself. Ever said that? Come on, come on, amen? Just forget it, I'll just do it myself. Worst thing you can ever say. You need people to accomplish what God has put in your heart to do. Man, but life would be so much easier if it weren't for people. Right? Turn to somebody and say, life would be so much easier if it weren't for me. (laughs) Come on, do it. Life would be so much easier if it weren't for for me. Because people, they mess with your plans, don't they? They mess with your plans. They mess with your ideas, your schedule. They do things differently. Come on, parents. Parenting would be so much easier if it weren't for children. Man, I could knock this baby out. It'd be easy. Going to work tomorrow? Man, would work not be so much easier if you didn't have a boss or a bunch of employees, right? Man, I'd just make my job so much easier if my boss wasn't there. You go to school, some of you go to school this week, wouldn't it be a whole lot easier if it wasn't for that professor or that teacher that you had to deal with or those classmates? Man, it'd just be so much easier. Even in the church, it even happens in the church. You think, oh, it doesn't happen in the church. We all get along. Welcome, this must be your first Sunday. (laughs) uh, I mean, man, there's like, you get into a core group. It's funny, when people get into core groups, they're like, I don't like like core groups. These people, they're acting like this, and they're like doing this, and they're doing this. Yeah, kind of like a family. Yeah, it's kind of what it's like. That's what happens when you get around people. Like, my group would be so much easier if nobody just show up. (laughs) They just keep showing up. Like, think about people you volunteer with here at church. Come on, this is church. Let's be real. Let's, Let's be open. Let's be honest. Keep your mouth quiet. Don't say it out loud. But, I mean, there, aren't there people that are on your team? If you're a volunteer, aren't there people on your team? They just drive you crazy. They just drive you nuts. You're like, in fact, they might be sitting next to you right now. <laughs> you might be married to them. It's, it's why you come into this church and you go, I'm sitting over there. I'm not sitting by them. No, they sit over there. I'm going to sit over here. Because we're, we're people and, and we're different, it would be just so much easier. But life, life is built on relationships. We need each other. We need each other. Turn, turn to the person next to you and say, I need you. We need each other. 
Jesus is the ultimate example of this. Could have gotten it alone, but we see here, right here in this passage, right when he's beginning his mission and his and going uh, eventually to the cross for the salvation of mankind, and he says, I'm going to pick some guys to do this with me. He didn't try to accomplish his mission alone. So he goes and he recruits these, these 12 very, very unique individuals. This is what, this is what God's going to do for you as you think about the cause and what he's amped you up to do is he's going to bring you together with unique personalities, people that are different than you to accomplish his purposes. If you want to see your cause be successful, it's going to take people. And here's the thing, the very, this is, this is what I want you to see here as you look at the disciples and you look at how God put these guys together and at times they, they didn't always get along because their personalities were unique and different. And what I want us to learn from these guys is this, that the very person that irritates you may have been placed there by God. The very person that irritates you. Just take this out, play it out on the family level. In your family, does your spouse ever irritate you? I mean, mine doesn't. I, I love my wife, everything about her. She's just, I was like, how do you do that? How do you make that happen? I just, I just bow you. I mean, your kids ever irritate you? Your parents ever irritate you? Don't your parents irritate you even no matter how old you get? They still irritate you? <laughs> but we don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't talk about that. But could it be that God has placed you together on purpose, for a purpose, the very person that irritates you? Here's why. Because every personality, every personality has strengths and every personality has weaknesses. And, and where you are strong, I might be weak. And, and where I'm strong, you might be weak. And so this is what we see God doing here or Jesus doing here with these disciples is this is why it's so important that you be you and I be me. Let's, let's say that together. You be you and I'll be me. You be you and I'll be me. This is why this is so critically important because we help each other. Now, I want to stop here for just a moment and I, I really want to point this out because this has got to be coming up in your mind, okay? Do not confuse personality weaknesses with character flaws. Those are two completely different things, okay? Personality weaknesses and character flaws are completely different. Like, like some of you might be saying, have you ever heard somebody say this before? Well, that's just the way I am. That, that's, just the way, that's just the way God made me. Uh, no, you're being a jerk. That's who you are. Come on, can I get an amen? Yeah, you need an assessment. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. That's what you need, okay? Look it up. It's in Galatians. Yeah, peace, patience, kindness, all those. You need, you, need, you need those, okay? We need those. And so don't confuse personality weaknesses with, with character flaws. But, but God uses our, our personalities. So Jesus does this. He chooses 12 men for this common Mission. They are unique in their personality, but they have a common mission. That mission is the gospel of Jesus Christ to take it into all of the world, and he brings them together in their uniqueness. So this is what God's going to do for you. He is going to birth in you 
a core cause. He's going to birth in you this holy discontent, okay? You're Tiffany talking a little bit about that this morning when she was sharing. So he's going to birth something in you, and, and what God is going to do is he's going to bring people around you that are united in that same cause. They get mad about what you get mad about. They get frustrated about what you get frustrated. They see the injustice that you see. They want to partner with you, but what they're going to bring to the table is a uniqueness in their personality. They're going to be different than you. Same cause, different personalities. So this is the disciples. They have this common cause, and I love this. Each of them have this unique personality, and not only have a unique personality, these guys have got cool nicknames, okay? They've got awesome nicknames. Peter, look at the scripture from Mark, in Mark chapter 3. Peter, Peter, man, he's called the rock. That's the coolest nickname ever, to be called the rock. And I know, ladies, you don't want to be called the rock, but every guy, there's only two people in history, right? that have been called The Rock, Peter and Dwayne Johnson. They're the only ones that got that nickname. I mean, and you just, you look at this man. I mean, one is a great spiritual leader. The other one is amazingly chiseled. And I'd be lying if I didn't tell you, I wish God had just made me both. An amazing spiritual leader and amazingly chiseled. But unfortunately, I, I can't be an amazing spiritual leader, so this is what you're stuck with. So, that's probably the funniest thing I've said in a long time. <laughs> Y'all know that ain't true. Uh, but So here's Peter. Let, let's look at Peter. They have ama- amazingly unique personalities. Peter, when you look at Peter's life, Peter is a guy who's large and in charge. Okay, he's a take the hill kind of guy. He becomes the leader of the church, and and uh, and he's like he steps out, and he's like, all right, the church is birthed. He's like, all right, here we go, everybody follow me. And he steps out, and he preaches the very first sermon boldly. I mean, he is just amazingly bold. He's like, follow me, and he preaches, and like three thousand people, five thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand, all these people are coming to Jesus, just like crazy. Peter, some of you are like Peter. That's who you are. You are leaders. You're the first one to step out and say, come on, follow me. We're going to take this hill. Come on now, we can do this. Oh, I know the odds are against us. I know nobody thinks it can be done, but I'm telling you, it can be done. Come and follow me. Oh, you need somebody to step up and own that? Y'all afraid to do that? I'll step out there and I'll make that happen. We need you. We need you in this church. You're needed in your family. You're needed in your workplace. You're needed in this city. Somebody has got to step out and take the bull by the horns and say, follow me. Some of you are Peter. That's your, your personality. That's your makeup. And then we come across these guys, James and John. James and John, they, they got the second coolest nickname in all of Scripture, the Sons of Thunder. Ah, thunder. I mean, that's just... You know when Jesus recruited them and they stepped out of the boat to follow him, you know that was going, ah, Thunder. Envision that's out there. These guys should have been WWE wrestlers. That's who they should have been. Either disciples or wrestlers, one or the other, because Sons of Thunder is the coolest wrestling name ever. So these guys get this nickname, Sons of Thunder. Why do they get this nickname? Because they're passionate. Both of them, these brothers, they're passionate, they're loud, they're boisterous. These guys, they get arrested. They're so all in on the cause. They get arrested and they're like, we ain't shutting up. We're going to keep talking about it. And then James, 
He gets martyred. He gets killed. And John, he's so passionate about the gospel. He's like, I'm so passionate about this. I want people to know it. Come on, we got to keep moving. And he's just got this rallying cry, and he just keeps moving. He gets exiled to an island all by himself. And he's like, you can't shut me up. Uh Uh-uh, I'll write a letter, and they're going to be talking about it for 2,000 years. I mean, this is James and John. That's who some of you are. Like you're passionate like they are. You're, you're loud. You're, you're boisterous. You have an amazing ability to rally people to a cause. Like you step up and you start talking about it. And everybody's like, I don't know what he's doing, but that's cool. Whatever that is, I'm just going to go do it. And you, just, you ever been there, like followed that person, like whatever it is they're doing because they're just so passionate about it and they have that ability just to draw people in? That's you. You're a James and John. You're needed in this church. You're needed in your family. You're needed in your workplace. You're needed in your school. You're needed in this city. So some of you are like, I'm not, I'm not loud. I'm not boisterous. I'm not the out front person. So I guess, I mean, I got to get left out because in scripture, you hear a lot about these guys. You always, it seems like the ones who are out front, the ones who are loud, the, the, um, extroverted people in our society, they get all the props and the introverted people, they don't get very many props. But I'm telling you, the gospel doesn't go forth if it's not for introverted people. The gospel doesn't go forth if it weren't for people who said, I don't have to be out front. You go down to the next guy, his name is Andrew. A lot of you probably never heard of this guy, Andrew. He doesn't even get a cool nickname. (laughs) He's just Andrew. But Andrew was instrumental in the gospel. He was kind of a behind-the-scenes guy, and he was a master recruiter. He, he is what I would call like a, a peacemaker because he would bring people together of different ways of thinking and different ways of doing things, and he would somehow bring everyone together. He, Peter was the, I'm assuming, Andrew was the guy who brought Peter to Jesus. The whole reason Peter got recruited is because of Andrew and what he was doing behind the scenes. Some of you are Andrew. That's who you are. I mean, you're, you're the peacemakers. You, you're the behind-the-scenes people. You, you're quiet. But you have this unique ability about you that the loud ones don't of rallying people together who are different and bringing them together and bridging gaps and get inclusive. You're very inclusive with, with people. You're an Andrew. You're needed in this church. You're needed in the city. You're needed in your home. You're needed in your workplace, and you're needed in your school. There's a unique place for you. And then we go down to this guy, and his name's Philip. Philip, we don't know a whole lot about this guy. He doesn't, just like Andrew, he doesn't get a cool nickname. They're already passed out. Jesus doesn't give him one. But I love Philip. Philip is a detail guy. And you come across Philip in a couple of passages of Scripture. One is at the feeding of the 5,000. Philip was the guy who raised his hand and said, excuse me, Jesus. Like, who interrupts Jesus? <laughs> Philip, okay. The guy who's running the spreadsheet. <laughs> That's who does it. Excuse me, Mr. Miracle Maker. Uh... I know you're going to do whatever you're going to do, but let me just show you how the spreadsheet is here today. This isn't going to, it's not adding up. We got lots of thousands and a couple of things, okay? This ain't going to work. And that's what he does. Why? Because he's a detail guy, okay? Because he's a planner, because he's an executor, because he, he knows how to bring details in, put a plan together, and make sure that it is executed and it happens properly. There, there's one passage of Scripture where a guy's reading through Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, and he doesn't understand anything about it. And so Philip comes up next to him, and Philip's all giddy. He's like, oh, man, this is so cool. I get to explain Scripture to this guy. This is awesome. Oh, I can't wait to get into the Greek and the Hebrew, and this is going to be amazing. 
And so he explains the scripture to this guy. Listen, some of you, you're Philip. You're behind the scenes and we need you. Okay? We need you because you're the kind of person who says, excuse me. Hey, have you thought about this? Hey, what about that? You drive, you drive some of us crazy, but we need you. Because you think about the budget, you're like, got to have some money for this. Got to have some staffing. Got to have some people. How are you going to put these things together? Got to have a schedule. Need the details. We need you. You're needed in this church. You're needed in this city. You're needed in your workplace. You're needed in your school. You are needed. So how has God uniquely wired you? How are you uniquely wired? I encourage you, go online, take this assessment. I encourage you to do it with a group, some friends, a core group. If you have teenagers, I would encourage you to do this as a family. This is a really fun assessment because when you do this assessment, uh, you're going to begin to discover your unique personality, and the people around you that know you best are going to go, yeah, that's you. You're like, that's me? Yeah, that's you. So I want to encourage you to go online, do that assessment, because this is what God, God needs each of us working together in our uniqueness to fulfill the cause of Christ, to take the hope of Jesus into the pain and suffering of this world. You are needed. I'm needed. So you be you, and I'll be me. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for helping us today to laugh, get a little more insight on who we are. I just pray in this moment that you would speak to each of us, that we would embrace who we are. Today, if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, I want to talk to you first. If you're a follower of Jesus, you may have never thought about how your personality plays a part, but you may be just saying today, Brad, I just, I just want to say, God, use my unique personality. Teach me who I am so I can be used to my fullest potential for your glory. If that's you, would you raise your hand? God, use me uniquely how I am for your purposes and for your glory. Help me, God, to understand how you created me. God, you see all these hands all over the auditorium. I pray you would just speak to them through the assessment, through Scripture, through your Holy Spirit, that you would confirm in them, here's how I created you. Here's how I want to use you. Embrace how I created you. You're awesome. You're amazing. And I need you. Speak that over them today, God, that they would know. I want to encourage you, if you're a follower of Jesus too, you can't embrace your cause without surrendering your life. I'd be lying to you if I told you that you could go out and do something great for Jesus if you're self-centered. You can't. you got to give yourself. you got to lay yourself on the altar. And you got to say, I fully surrender my life to Jesus. So some of you today, you are a follower of Jesus, but you're still holding on to some selfish desires. And you say, man, you know what? I've got some things I need to lay down on the altar today. I need to give this up. This part of me, I need to surrender it. Or maybe today you just say, I need to surrender my entire life to him. My entire life. I need to give it all to him because I want to embrace this cause he has for me. I want my life to matter. I want to do something great for him. So if today you've identified an area that you need to surrender to him, or maybe it's just your entire life of surrendering it to him, laying yourself on the altar, use me however you want to use me, God. Would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? Thank you in the front, the sides, in the back. God, you see every hand that is up right now. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come upon them as they identify this area of surrender. Help them to lay it down. Help them to surrender to you. Fill
fill them fully and completely with your Holy Spirit. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, or maybe you've been away from him for a very long time, I want to encourage you to come home. Come home to Christ. He loves you, cares about you. He has a plan for you. His plans and purposes can come alive in you when you give your life over to him. So God sent his son, Jesus, and he died on that cross and he was risen again on the third day for you. For you, that sin and that shame and all that junk you're carrying around, he says, you do not have to carry that. I want to take it from you. I want to forgive you. I want to come into your life and I want my purposes to be fulfilled in you. I won't embarrass you. I won't make you come up here, but I do want to know how I can pray for you today. If you today would say, man, Brad, I'm not a follower of Jesus, but today I want to become a follower of Jesus. Or maybe you've been away from him for a long time. At one time you were committed to him, you say, man, I need to come back to him. Would you just raise your hand so I know how to pray for you today? We're coming to Jesus. Thank you so much. I see you right here in the middle. Anybody else? your life to Jesus and come back to him today. God, for those who are making this commitment now to follow you, I pray they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are a God who loves them. You are a God who forgives. Would you take their sin right now and wipe it away, speak into their life and say, I forgive you. I forgive you. You give them your spirit, God. I thank you that your spirit now will take residence in them. You're going to come alive in them and you say, I've got purposes and I've got plans for you. You are my child. I'm yours and you are mine. We thank you for that today. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Let's give God a hand clap for all that he's doing.